First off, I just have to say, uh, James, you have a, a great speaking voice because the mic wasn't even on, and it still it sounded amazing. That was awesome. That you know, a few of us are have been blessed with uh, loud voices. Um, myself being one of them. Uh, my wife and I have a joke. I'm, I don't know how to whisper. Uh, it's it's almost impossible for me to whisper. I don't know how to do it. I, I sound real weird when I try to whisper. I don't know if you feel like that, but uh, thank you, James, for reading that tonight. And tonight we're in, in week 10 of our series, Vintage Wisdom. We've been going through the book of Proverbs, and we're talking about friendship tonight. The tagline is, finding real friends. Right? Friendship is something uh, that used to be easy to develop, at least for the beginning part of our life. Maybe you sense that, maybe you felt that, maybe you kind of think back from elementary school through college, and you're like, you know, it was really easy to develop friends then, at least a few friends. Maybe not a huge group of friends, but a small group of friends. I was able to find a clique, or I was on a team, and then, you know, my teammates became my best friends. Or maybe you were in a dance class, or a theater class, or you were in a fraternity, or sorority, or you were a part of a youth group, or there's some little group or some little section or some opportunity in school where you found friends because from elementary through college, in order to survive, you have to find friends. And the internet has made it easier, easier for many people as well to find friends online. It's been this connected world, and then when you leave school, the time that you're in school, it becomes much more difficult to find friends. Because you're not put in this situation, you're not put in this bubble, you're not surrounded by other people that are all trying to figure out friends to find and groups to be a part of and a place to be accepted. You're kind of just like in the world, you've moved to a new city, you're in a different place, and everybody has a lot more going on and finding friends becomes much more difficult. But when you look down into the depths of your soul, you know that finding real friends matters a lot, but it can be difficult. So the question is, how do you find real friends? And that's what we're going to be dealing with tonight. And so we're going to jump right in. Proverbs 17, 17 says, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. See, what Proverbs 17 is saying to us um, is very countercultural, especially for this time period. It's saying that a friend can be more important in your life than a sibling, Right? This is a culture where the family was everything. It was very family-centric. You are born into your family, and then the expectation is that you're going to stay with your family. You're going to live with your family, either in the same house or in the same little plot of land. Maybe you'll have your own house when you get old enough, but you're going to work with your family. You're going to work for your family. You're going to spend the majority, if not all, of your time with your family. Family was everything in this culture. And Proverbs is saying that a friend can be more valuable and more important in some aspects than even a sibling. Saying that family is important, but the reality is, and, and we all know this, you don't choose your family, and so therefore you may not click well with everyone in your family. You may not admit that, but you may not click well, right? Because in families, you have differing personalities, and sometimes they clash. You have differing values. You have different visions for life. And so Proverbs is saying that not the family isn't important, but that a friend can provide something unique and something powerful that family can. Because family is not chosen, family is made, but friendship is chosen. It brings something into your life that family or romance or career cannot. It's a unique type of love, 
And we live in a very different culture now, right? Our culture is not the same as this culture that Proverbs is, is kind of being written in. We are not a family-centric culture in the same way. Many of you do not work for your family. You don't even live anywhere close to your family. We have a lot of dysfunctional families. We have a breakdown of the family unit. We have uh, so many people leaving home and going overseas, and maybe many of your family live in another country. Like we are spread out all over the world. It's a very different world that we live in. And yet what has happened for us as the family has shifted is that we have not replaced a desire for friendship with a desire for family love. We have replaced actually romance, right? And so what the book, all of scripture says to us is that there are some really important loves that you develop and discover in your life, romance being one of them, family being one of them. Career being one of them. Nobody wants to have a career that you hate what you do. It's necessary to, to cultivate and figure out God's calling in your career and enjoy that. You desire to have a family and you come from a family, you didn't choose it, and you want to have love and acceptance and friendship there. And then you want to find romance. And then you have friendship. And so what has happened culturally for us is we are not family-centric anymore. We are actually romance Centric. And we have actually elevated romance to an unhealthy degree. Not that it's not important, but we've elevated it to an unhealthy degree. If you, um, you know, listen to TMZ, which I never have, but I've, I, they have a website, they have something, they're everywhere. But TMZ is not concerned with who's friends with who, right? They're concerned with who's kissing who, right? And you stand in line in Publix and all the magazines are like, so-and-so is with so-and-so, Brad Pitt's with another person. Like, you never know, like, all this stuff. And you don't know what's real, what's not. All they care about is who's kissing who, what romantic relationships are happening, which romantic relationships are falling apart, who's doing this, who's doing that. And we've elevated romance, finding and discovering and developing romance that is a very important aspect of your life and is crucial and it's vital to cultivate and to care for. But we've elevated it to an unhealthy degree, right? If you're single, the cultural temptation is to have a laser focus in your life at the exclusion of any other important relationships, including friendship, to find romance. Laser focus, because we've elevated to the most important thing at the exclusion oftentimes of friendship, and, and you know this because you think about your conversations at work. Does anyone ever ask you about your friendships at work or your community? Are people going up to you and saying, you know, hey, um, you know, I really need some better friends. Uh, would you like to be my friend, right? That, convert, that would be weird. That's not happening, right? <laughs> Instead, what's happening uh, typically, not always, but typically is like people are coming up and they're saying, Hey, do you swipe right or left? Like, what do you think about this? Right or left? How should I swipe here? Right? Or they're coming up to you as they're on dating apps and they're saying, to, listen, okay, I matched with someone. First text, what do I say? I don't know. This is weird. How am I supposed to do this? They're having conversations about, you know, do you have any dates planned this weekend? What are you doing this weekend? Even, oftentimes, even our conversations at work revolve around going to events and doing things so that we might discover romance at that event, right? I'm going to this happy hour. I'm going to this networking event. I'm going to this party. And, and what I'm really hoping for, what I'm trying to find there is romance. I'm not looking for friendship, really. I'm trying to find romance, and you may think to yourself, you know, but I, I have 
friends and we go to movies and we go to dinner and we're not, you know, we're not looking for romance. Yeah, but oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes, what's the majority of your conversation about? Right? It's the crush that you have. It's the struggle to find romance. It's a relationship that you're in that's difficult or frustrating. Now, it's very important. Friendship, one of the really important and valuable aspects of friendship is it gives you the opportunity to share things that you're feeling, especially in regards to romance. But what happens is when you elevate finding, discovering, and developing romance to an unhealthy degree, and that's your laser focus, and it's the only thing that matters, you push out and you push aside the other relationships that are important as well, and friendship being one of them. And the same is true of people that are dating really seriously or married, because here's the mentality. Oh, I found romance. I don't need friends anymore. Right? We've elevated it to this degree to where if you find romance, you don't need friends. And somehow friendship is something, it's like a stopgap, so that you're not lonely until you find romance. And then once you find romance and you date someone seriously, you get engaged and you get married, then you don't really need friends. And see, Proverbs is saying here in a culture that has done that with family, that friendship provides a unique type of love. The cultivation of family love and romantic love and career love are all really important. But you need to be careful that you don't elevate it at the exclusion of friendship because friendship will be the one that you cast aside. It will be the one that you put on the back burner because what we can fall into believing is that friendship is not really quote-unquote necessary. Right? We, have to, we, we strive to love our career because we don't want to wake up every Monday and dread the week. It's for survival. We're all born into families. We don't have a choice. And many of us want to have families one day. It's written in our soul to be a part of a family, to maybe create a family, and, and to find romance. It's just a part of who we are. And so these things we know are important and vital aspects of the human experience, and, and they're, they're really good and they're really important. But what happens when you take any of those and you raise them to an unhealthy level, you put friendship on the side as if it's just something that doesn't really matter. It's not really necessary. And so what happens is you settle for companions, or acquaintances, but not real friends. Proverbs says this in Proverbs 18, verse 24. It says, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Right? Every one of us here has companions. We actually have a lot of companions. Maybe you have companions or acquaintances at work, maybe at the gym or in your yoga class or at Brickle Run Club on Tuesday nights or here at church. People that you enjoy their company, you enjoy spending time with them, but when you think about the trajectory of your life and you think, if ruin falls to me and if I begin to really struggle, they're probably not going to be there. Like, they may offer to pray for me. They may offer to help if I give them a call and I really need it, but companions aren't invested in you in that way because you're not invested in them. 
And Proverbs is saying that someone that has companions only, that you don't have any real friends, you're not really developing and discovering real friendship for whatever reason, maybe you've elevated family to an unhealthy degree or finding romance or your career or any of these things, you don't have real friends, you've settled for companions that you may fall to ruin because companions will not come alongside you when you're struggling. They will not come alongside you when you fall, but real friends will. They step in the gap. They'll get dirty. They will mourn with you when you're struggling. They will rejoice when you rejoice. You see, companions are not bad friends. They're necessary. And we should not be upset at companions or acquaintances for not doing all the things that friends should do. Because companions are created really out of necessity, right? We create companions and acquaintances with people at work or at church or in the gym or different social places that we're involved in organizations because we need that companion to fulfill something, right? We need someone to have fun with. Maybe someone motivates us at the gym or motivates us in our work or encourages us in our faith. Companions typically come around us and they provide something for us fun, someone to hang out with on Friday nights, motivation to be healthy in our career and our faith, whatever the case may be. And that's okay. That's good. But they're not really friends. Because Proverbs is going to say something really striking. It's going to say that friendship is not created. Companions are created. You create them out of necessity. But friendship is actually discovered. Look what it says in Proverbs 27, 9. It says, oil and perfume make the heart glad. And the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. So I didn't know this when I was reading through and processing this passage this week. I was reading through a commentary and it talked about the reality is during this time period, there was no sugar, which meant I would not survive this time period. It had been impossible for me. There's no, there was no sugar, right? You, you have to create sugar. You, you have to manufacture sugar. So in order to find sweetness, in order to enjoy sweetness, you had to discover it. You had to stumble upon it. You couldn't create it. You had to be that person walking in the woods or wherever beehives are. I don't know where they are. I've never seen one. And I'm from the city, if you can tell. And you're walking, and there's like this thing on the ground, and there's bees flying around it, and you're like crazy enough to think, I wonder what it tastes like, right? And so you, you get the bees out of there, and then you taste the beehive, and you're like, whoa, this is sweet. It's honey. I don't know what it really tastes like unless it's manufactured, but that's what I'm imagining, <laughs> right? You have to stumble upon it. You have to find it. And what Proverbs is saying here is that friendship is not manufactured. It is not created. It, like, if you're sitting here tonight and you're thinking at the end of the night, you're like, you know what, I really need to start discovering and developing real friends. And you stand up and you point at somebody across the aisle and you say, hey, let's be friends. That's not going to work. Um, that's going to be weird. Don't do that. Right? You can't just tell someone, um, let's be friends now. Uh, I need friends, you need friends, we're going to be friends. That's not how it works. Right? You cannot create a manufacturer friendship. You have to discover it. You have to stumble upon it. Like you would have stumbled upon a sweet food. C.S. Lewis puts it really well. 
He says, friendship is born at that moment when one person says to another, what? You too? I thought I was the only one. You cannot find friendship just because you want to find friendship. You have to discover friendship. And it requires that you share something with someone else. He goes on, C.S. Lewis, and he says this. The very condition of having friends is that we should want something else besides friends, right? You can't go into a relationship or just like point someone out in the room and say, that person, be friends with them. It's not going to work. You can't manufacture it. Where the truthful answer, he says to the question, do you see the same truth, would be, I see nothing. I don't care about the truth. I only want a friend. No friendship can arise, though affection, of course, may. There would be nothing for the friendship to be about, and friendship must be about something, even if it were only an enthusiasm for dominoes or white mice. Those who have nothing can share nothing, and those who are going nowhere can have no fellow travelers. You see, when you have a real friend, and when you discover a relationship that may be developed into a real and deep and powerful friendship, you find something that you share. It's not manufactured. It's stumbled upon. And it could be as simple as the love of sports, or or working out, or video games, or movies, or if you were like me in my past, films, right? You don't call them movies, you call them films. Or maybe it's the love of business innovation, or maybe it's the love of, of whatever you're studying and researching, or maybe you just you found someone that loves to read whatever crazy thing Elon Musk has said and discuss that, you know? So it could be anything that you share, but you have to share something. My best friend um, is very different from me, like very different from me. He does not like sports. He doesn't like reading. And for many years of his life, he worked at the Renaissance Festival. Yes. He is very different from me. And how we discovered our friendship some 14 years ago was over something that we shared, and that was nerd culture. Sorry if you didn't know this. I am a nerd. We, dis- we shared a love of video games and superhero movies. And we talked about these things. And out of that developed a relationship, a friendship that has carried on for 14 years and goes much deeper now than just nerd culture. But it started there because we shared something. We spoke a similar language. We had a similar interest and affinity. And I tell him all the time, I originally thought he was like the most annoying person ever. But then as we got to know each other and as we discovered some of these things that we shared, a real friendship developed. And so what happens is, and what Proverbs is saying, is that when you discover something that you share with someone, an affinity, an interest, something that is unique, where you say, wait, what, you too? Now it's time to develop the friendship. You cannot create it. You cannot manufacture it. When you discover it, then you develop it, and it takes time. Proverbs 17, 17 again says, a friend loves at all times. At all times, a friend is there 
in love. Now, it also is going to say, but it's, a friend's not there too much, or else he or she will hate you. If you notice that, Proverbs 25, 17 says, let your foot be seldom in your neighbor's house, lest he have his fill of you and hate you. So if you're sitting here and you're like, okay, I discovered a friendship with someone, we share something, and then you like pounce on them, you know? And you're like texting them all the time and calling them all the time and trying to hang out. And you're like, why can't you hang out with me? Why can't you hang out with me? They're like, they're gonna be like, okay, whoa, like, I'm done. Like, this, you're exhausting. It's saying that friendship takes time, and you have to understand that every single one of us are pursuing other loves as well. We're pursuing love of family and romantic love, and we're pursuing career love, and so when you discover a friendship with someone, you can't pounce. It takes time. Not only time in terms of proximity around each other, but also it takes months, and it takes years, and it takes time. And when you give it time, you will develop with someone a deep emotional connection that is unique to any other relationship that God has placed you in. Look at Proverbs 25, 20. It says, whoever sings a song to a heavy heart is like one who takes off a garment on a cold day and like vinegar on soda. It's speaking about companions. See, the problem with having only companions or acquaintances in your life and not real friends is that they don't know you. They don't pick up on the different things. They don't understand when you're struggling. They don't understand that, that something may tap into an insecurity that you have. They're not reading the fact that you've had a really rough week and that this joke may push you over the edge or this statement may wound and hurt you because they don't have that connection with you. The equivalent, they say, is that it's like someone taking off your coat or your jacket, your garment, on a cold day. That it can feel like that when you surround yourself with only companions because they say and do things that affect you because they don't know you. Look at Proverbs 27, 14. It says, whoever blesses his neighbor with a loud voice, rising early in the morning, will be counted as cursing. Again, companions or acquaintances, they don't know. They're not being malicious. They're not trying to hurt you, but they don't know you. They don't know your insecurities and your proclivities and the different mannerisms and nonverbal communication that signals that something's off and you're struggling and you're hurting and the tone of your voice when you're on the phone. They don't know that. They don't pick up on that. And so sometimes when they may be seeking to bless you, it actually could feel like a curse. But a friend is the opposite, right? A friend picks up on the fact that you're struggling and they struggle alongside of you. They know how to encourage you. They know what your insecurities are. They know your quirks and your proclivities. They can pick up and read the tone. So it doesn't feel in the conversation with a friend like you're being exposed to the cold. They come around you and are able to bring warmth. And as you're probably thinking and processing this, and you're thinking about the people in your life, they're either companions or friends, maybe you're realizing that friends, real friends are rare. They're rare. We have a lot of companions and they're necessary and important and good, but real friends are rare. And developing real friendships are vital because they are invested in you and they will be honest with you. Proverbs 27.5 says, better is open rebuke 
and hidden love. You see, real friends show real love with real talk. Real friends show real love to you with real talk. That's how you know when you have a real friend. Well, they love you enough to be honest with you, to be real with you. Well, they call you out. Well, they challenge you. Because what happens is when someone is in your life that is a friend, if they really love you and if they're really invested in your growth, they're going to be honest with you. They're going to challenge you. They're going to call you out. But they're going to know how to because they're a real friend. Proverbs 28, 23 says, Whoever rebukes a man will afterwards find more favor than he who flatters with his tongue. You see, the problem is, and you can think about your relationships as we're talking about this, companions will not rebuke you because they don't know what to say and they don't have that connection with you and they don't know how to bring it up. They may be thinking something that they want to challenge or encourage you in, but they're nervous. They don't think they have permission in the relationship to have that kind of conversation with you. So they just flatter you. They just tell you what they think you want to hear. They're not going to be real. They're not going to be really brutally honest. But real friends will rebuke you. When you ask them, hey, what did you think about that? They're going to tell you. They're going to say, listen, you know I love you. But I'm going to be honest. Because they're invested in your growth. They care about you. As we read Proverbs 29, 9, where it says the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. This is really interesting. The word earnest means from the heart, and the word counsel means secrets. So it's saying the sweetness of a real friend, when you discover a real friend, what is so sweet and rare and unique and beautiful about that is that they share their secrets from their heart. They actually open up who they are. They reveal who they are to another person, which is rare. And it is a privilege if you have a relationship with someone or a few people where you really know them. Where they have really shared from their heart the secrets that they have. That is a privilege. And that is a friendship to cherish the famous verse, Proverbs 17, 17, is building on this idea. It says, iron sharpens iron, and one man or one person sharpens another. See, what it's saying here is that when you find and discover a friendship with someone, and you begin to develop and cultivate that friendship where you're beginning to share the secrets of your heart. You're beginning to be honest and vulnerable with that person. And you're having this unique and rare relationship with them. They are going to rebuke you. They are going to say some difficult things in your life because they want to see you sharpened. You know, iron was used in swords, and the way that you would sharpen iron is that you would push it against another piece of iron because a dull sword has no use. I mean, it doesn't do anything. If you've ever sharpened a knife before, you know how it works. You take a knife and you put it on another piece of metal and you, you put it on the side and you push down and you slide it across and it makes this noise and you're just like, oh my goodness, you can't even stand the noise. And you also know that in order for a knife to be useful, you have to sharpen it a lot. You can't like sharpen it once a year. You have to sharpen it all the time. 
Because if you wait too long, if you don't sharpen your knife often enough, what happens is the knife will become dull, and then when you try to sharpen it again, it's not going to work. You're going to have to really take off and remove a lot of the metal to get below the part that's dull so it can be sharp again. See, what it's saying here in this passage is really important. That real friends, when they are invested and when they're in your life, they are constantly sharpening you. It's not like a once every year type of situation. It is not like when you really mess up. They are having these real conversations with you because they really love you. And you want to give your friends permission to sharpen you and to challenge you all the time. Because it's better to be sharpened often. Because if you don't, and if you don't give people permission, or if you've maybe settled for companions and you haven't really discovered and developed some real friendship as God has put people in your life, then when someone comes into your life and they begin to cultivate that really powerful and unique friendship and they say some difficult thing, it's really going to hurt. Because you're going to be dull. And you're going to have to remove a lot in order to get sharp again. See, it's saying that it is so important to have real friends in your life that can be honest with you so that you can remain sharp because you're not going to receive that from companions, right? Have you ever had a companion or a friend rebuke you? How'd you respond? Maybe with a smile like, oh, thank you, you know. You're like, get out of my face, right? (laughs) Right? Or you're like, who, I mean, why? Why are they, I don't, I'm not going to listen to them. Why are they telling me this? Like, why do they think they have permission? Who do they think they are? We don't listen to companions when they try to rebuke us because we haven't given them permission. But friends, we're to give that permission as we develop a relationship with them. And we need to tell them, listen, I want you to be honest with me. I want you to have real talk with me all the time because I want to remain sharp. And I want to be the same type of person in your life. And here's the the most powerful and beautiful thing, is that when you discover people that God has put in your life that you share something with, that you can be real friends with, where you can share from your heart the secrets you don't share with many people, and you begin to build this emotional connection, and you begin to have honest conversation and show real love by sometimes rebuking and sometimes challenging, you find someone that's going to journey with you. And that is amazing. The greatest, non-fiction, or the greatest fiction novel of all time is Lord of the Rings, if you didn't know this. <laughs> Just letting you know, nerd culture. And I, I, I put a quote here I want to read with you. Um, Sam and Frodo, two of the main characters in The Two Towers, they're, they're journeying together, and Sam starts talking to Frodo, the guy carrying the ring, and he says to, to Frodo, he's like, do you think one day they're going to talk about us? Like, are they going to speak about us? Are we going to be in books and our father is going to read the story of what's happening to their children? And here's what he says. Sam says, Frodo was very brave, wasn't he, Dad? Yes, my boy, the famous of all hobbits. And that's saying a lot. It's saying a lot too much, said Frodo. And he laughed, a long, clear laugh from his heart. Such a sound has not been heard in those places since Sauron came to Middle-earth. To Sam, suddenly it seemed as if all the stones were listening and the tall rocks were leaning over them, but Frodo did not heed them. He laughed again. He said, why, Sam? To hear you somehow make me as merry as if the story was already written 
but you've left out one of the chief characters, Samwise the Stouthearted. I want to hear more about Sam, Dad. Why didn't they put in more of his talk, Dad? That's what I like. It makes me laugh. And Frodo wouldn't have gone far without Sam, would he, Dad? You see, real friends journey with you, and they recognize that you, can, you can't go very far without real friends in your life that are there next to you, that are different from you, but they spur you on and they challenge you. And this is a desire for all of us, right? When we desire to have someone in our life that's gonna journey with us and be honest with us and be connected where we can share secrets. None of us really wanna settle for companions, though we do, and we really want real friends, but the reality is friendship is hard. It's hard. We want to discover friendships with people that God has put in our life, but we know that's going to require us to be open and to invest some time, and that could you know, challenge some of our insecurities of, are they going to reciprocate that? Are they going to want to be friends with me? And we, we long to develop a friendship with, per, with people, but we know that we're going to have to give them a lot of time, and then we think to ourselves, I, I, I don't have a lot of time. I mean, I have a lot going on with work and with, uh, with a family and my romantic relationship or pursuing that romantic relationship and my career and where I'm going. I, I mean, it's almost impossible to sync up schedules with anybody. I mean, how am I going to give this person time? And then maybe you think to yourself, well, I mean, why even invest in any friendships? Because everybody moves everywhere so often anyways. We long for a friend who really knows us and we know them. We want someone in our life that's going to be invested in our growth and sharpen us, and we want to be invested in their growth and sharpen them, but then we know that's going to require us to be vulnerable, and we're like, that's hard. See, friendship is hard because people are messy and because it takes time and it takes effort and it takes patience, but friendship is also hard because we are oftentimes not good friends. We get distracted. We betray our friends, and seeking forgiveness isn't easy, and sometimes we just say, you know what, I don't know if it's worth the time and the effort and the energy, I'm just going to settle for companions. So how do you find real friends? I mean, do you just leave tonight and say, you know what, okay, Carter, Proverbs talks about wisdom is going out and discovering and developing real friends, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to, like, find someone. I'm, like, after church, you're going to be like, hey, do you like movies? Yes? Okay. No? Okay. Right? Like, how do you do it? What are you going to do? I think it does require effort on your part, but the most important thing is that it requires a heart change first. Jesus gives us a model of friendship. Jesus was friends with all types of people. The rich, the poor, outcasts, farmers, fishermen, government officials, Jews and non-Jews, all types of people he was friends with. And his heart for his friends informed his actions towards them. Look at John 15, says this, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. And Jesus follows up with that and he says this to you. I've called you friends. You see, Jesus laid down his life for his friends. Why did Jesus lay down his life on the cross for his friends? Because he loved them. Because he was invested in them. 
because he desired for their growth and that they might be sharpened because he journeys with his friends. And Jesus knows his friends and he knows us. And when he calls you friend, he knows you and he knows me and he knows that I'm gonna be distracted and I'm not gonna follow after truth and I'm not gonna do the type of things that God has called me to do because I'm gonna run after everything else. And he also knows that I'm incapable of being perfect. I'm incapable of earning God's forgiveness. And even if I had the opportunity to try, I would fail at it. And because he knows us as his friends, and because he's invested and he wants what is best for us, which is a relationship with the Father, which is a relationship with the author of joy so that we might be fulfilled, which is a relationship with the one who will provide you purpose and meaning and significance in life, and grace and mercy and forgiveness for all the things that you've done and the burdens and the baggage that you carry because he wants what is best for you and he knows that is best for you, Jesus was willing to lay down his life for you because he's your friend. He's invested and he will do what is necessary for his friends to give them what they need, which is the gift of salvation. You see, when you discover and develop a friendship with Jesus, it opens the pathway to a deep and meaningful friendship with those that God has put in your life. Because as we said, one of the marks of friendship is that they journey with you. And so when you discover and develop a friendship with Jesus, he journeys with you. And what does he inform you? He informs you that you are to love and accept others. No matter what. No matter who they are and what they look like, and the baggage that they bring, that you're to be honest with them, even when it's difficult to share, that you're to be genuinely concerned for who they are, and you want to see growth in their life, and you will invest your time and your words in that. Real friend starts with that heart change as you come before Jesus who calls you friend, and you ask him to help sharpen you so that you might be a better friend to others that God has put in your life. And see, one of the most powerful and beautiful things about Friendship. The most powerful and beautiful friendships in the world have one thing in common. They're friends with Jesus. Now, it doesn't mean that we aren't called to be friends with people that are not believers. We are. We've already seen that Jesus was friends with all types of people. But the most powerful and beautiful friendships have faith in Jesus and friendship with Jesus in common. Why? Because every friendship shares something, an affinity, an interest. But when you share the deepest part of who you are with someone else, your love and your passion for Jesus Christ and your friendship with him, that is powerful. See, my best friend and I are connected over nerd culture initially, but what really connects us and what really has developed a friendship where we know and love each other and are, are interested in each other's growth is that we share a love for Jesus and it connects us and it spurs us forward. And one of the most amazing things as I was reflecting on that this week about friendship between two people that share faith in common and friendship with Jesus is that you do not choose your Christian friends. Think about that. God chose them for you. Because God chose to offer that other person the gift 
of eternal life and salvation in Jesus Christ. And then he brought them into the family of God. And then he's brought you into the family of God as well under the same banner of grace and in the same proximities that you might discover and develop a friendship together. That is beautiful. And that is something to behold. And so when you discover a friendship in that fashion, it is worth all of the time and all of the energy and all of the hard conversations that it takes to develop that because it's a unique type of love. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are our friend, that you call us friend. God, we pray that we would not take that lightly. We pray that we would leave tonight encouraged by the fact that the God of the universe wants to be in a relationship with us. We pray, God, that we would think about the people that you've put in our life and we would begin to discover friendship and that we would develop it. We would put the time and the energy and the effort that it takes to develop this unique type of love where someone can journey alongside of us And Lord, for those of us that have those type of friends, may we leave tonight and thank them and tell them how much we love them and how grateful we are for them in our life because it is a great blessing. God, we thank you for your word that challenges and encourages us. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.